All right, so we have paused Colossians, and you have noticed that last week we, we were in Colossians, and we've stopped our study in Colossians, and we won't get, be getting back into Colossians until possibly June the 28th, because I, we're going to continue this series until I go on vacation. I'm going on vacation June 15th. I won't be here the 14th and 21st. We'll have some people, some other guys preaching, but I will be going to Pennsylvania, and hopefully they are, have a, their stay-at-home order is going to be lifted where we're headed. I don't know. We have family that's over there in Pennsylvania, and they're kind of like, it's still pretty crazy over here. They're, the governor's not lifting stuff. So all of, not all of Pennsylvania is like that. So we'll, if we'll fly in to where we're going to go, and hopefully the restrictions are lifted. But if not, we'll drive to other parts of, the, of Pennsylvania, sightsee, do things in other places that are, are more open. And so, But when I get back, from our vacation, we'll go back into Colossians. But we started a series from now until uh, June the 7th, June the 14th, that we're talking about unshakable, un, un, unshakable is the title of the series. And last week we looked at unshakable joy and how our joy is not shakable. Now sometimes we can feel like it's shakable, right? That circumstances and situations can shake our joy. But what we talked about last week was that because we are in Christ, we have a joy that is not connected to this earth. We have a joy that's not connected to temporary things. We have a joy that is not connected to whether or not our circumstances are the way that we want them to be. Our joy is unshakable. And so this morning, we're going to look at unshakable faith. That we do have unshakable faith. And it's the same principle that our faith is ultimately unshakable because it is founded upon Christ. Right? And so that's what we're going to look at. Unshakable faith. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to the Old Testament. We're going to go to some, some, some narrative there in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. And it's the story of the children of Israel as they are about to go spy out the land of Canaan. And so I want us to look at this story and we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about doubt. We're going to talk about fear and unbelief. We're going to talk about faith in God in the middle of whatever circumstances that we are going through. And the Old Testament is there for our example. Look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. He said this in 1 Corinthians 10. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. Speaking of the children of Israel, as we're going to look at their story In numbers, all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Listen to this. Now these things took place as examples for us that we may not desire evil as they did. So that's what I want us, that's the foundation of what, what that I want us to have as we look at this account. This is an example for us. What are some lessons that we can learn as an example of the mistakes of the children of Israel that we're going to see in Numbers 13 and 14? Now some context. Israel have been delivered from Egyptian bondage. They're in slavery in Egypt. And God came in mighty ways, didn't he? He came with, with and sent plagues. He came and did signs and wonders and ultimately he came the final miracle of their deliverance was the parting of the Red Sea. He comes in and, and, and uses Moses and God parts the Red Sea. Think about that. Think about parting of a bayou. Right? How, what a miracle that would be. This is a sea. The Red Sea. The parting of a sea. And there was dry land in front of the children of Israel to walk on to the other side. And then as soon as the last foot 
of the children of God got across and the Egyptian armies that had followed, the water came back over them and they drowned. And God brought judgment. Think about those miracles. This is the context of the nation of Israel getting over across the Red Sea, out of Egypt, and now they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And Moses says, or actually I should say the people go to Moses and say, we need to spy out the land. If you look, if you look at Numbers, the text we're going to look at, it says there in Numbers 13 that the Lord told Moses to send 12 spies, one man from each tribe to go in and to spy out the land. But if you go into Deuteronomy chapter 1, the actual, what actually happened was, was that the people wanted to go. God wanted the people to trust him. And to go straight after the Red Sea into the wilderness. God wanted his people to trust them. But they doubted. They're like, God, we're going to check you out. You say that's a good land. You say that it, you know, we should you know, be good over there. But we've heard about some people over there that are some bad people. So we want to go and check it out. So God let them do it. Very similar in the book of 1 Samuel. Whenever the people wanted a king. God didn't want the people to have a king. God wanted himself to be their king, right? But God told Samuel, give them what they want. Give them a king, but warn them and tell them. Similar context here. God didn't want them to go. He wanted them to trust him. That if he promised a good land, that it was a good land. But they doubted. So they went. They sent the 12 spies. They come back. The spies come back. And 10 of the spies, minus Joshua and Caleb, come back and they have a a bad report. They come back and they talk about how, yes, the land is good. We've brought fruit from the land. Look at these grapes. They're amazing. And yes, the land flows with milk and honey. And then they said the scariest word that could be said, however, however. And that's what we're, this is our launching point. And so the first thing we're going to learn from this, as we get into Numbers 13, the first lesson we learn from these spies and the nation of Israel and their response to the bad news is this. Bad news comes with a choice. Bad news always comes with a choice. And the children of Israel, or in particular, these 10 spies, these 12 spies, had a choice. They all had the same bad news. They all got the same bad news. They had good news, but then they had some bad news. There were some people in the land that were dangerous. Listen, listen to what they said. So they gave the good news first, but then here's the bad news. However, Numbers 13, however, the people who dwell on the land are strong. The cities are fortified. They're very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report Bad news of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. So the 12 spies went in to check out the land that God had promised to give them and they came back and yes, the reality was that there were giants in the land. The reality was that there were enemy armies that were there that were going to be difficult for the children of Israel to fight. the, the, The danger was there. And they had a choice. The, all 12 spies had a choice. How were they going to respond? Would they believe God? Would they believe the God who parted the Red Sea? Were they going to believe him? Would they believe that God was in control? Would they believe that God was able? Would they believe that God was able to destroy those armies and those men just like he destroyed Pharaoh's armies? Bad news comes with a choice. What are you going to do? Are you going to believe that God is able in the middle of bad 
news when bad news shows up. Have you ever had bad news come knock at your door? We all have had bad news come and knock at our door. What are we going to do? Bad news comes with a choice for everyone. And these 12 spies had that same choice. Only two made the right choice. But the 10 came. And now, now this is so important for us. So important that whenever we have bad news, it comes and knocks at our door. Whether it's through cable news network, whether it's through a diagnosis that we receive, whether it's through whatever situation we're facing, we get bad news. Bad news, your employer says, we're going to have to cut your hours. Bad news comes knocking. We have to hang on to some realities. And these are things that I think will anchor us. It's so important we understand about life and about God when we hear bad news. Because we have a choice with what we're going to do with that news. So here are some anchoring thoughts for us. First of all, life is hard because the world is broken. That's an anchoring reality for us. Life is hard because the world is broken. We all know that, right? Go back to the fall, Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve fell, and as a result of their rebellion against God, life is hard. You get sick. I get sick. Sometimes you'll be driving down the road, and somebody may hit you, or you may lose control. The world is broken. Sometimes natural disasters come. The world is broken because of what sin has done to this world. Bad things happen to good people because the world is broken. This is a reality that, that if when bad news, listen, when bad news comes to knock, if you don't have this reality that we live in a broken world, then you're going to not make the right choice when the news shows up. And another anchoring reality about our life is that life is hard because we are sinners. So life is hard because the world is broken. But life is hard because we are sinners and we will make bad choices that will come with consequences. It's a reality we all face. Look look at Proverbs 19.3. When a man's folly or his sin, his rebellion against God, when man's folly brings his way, his life to ruin, his heart rages against God. What does it, Proverbs 19 say there? It's a man's folly that brings his life to ruin. This is a reality that life is hard because we're sinners. We, will, we still have the capacity to make sinful choices that can bring consequences. We, we must hold on to those anchoring realities whenever bad news comes and knocks. A third reality is this. Life is hard because we are sinned against. Life is hard because the world is broken. Life is hard because we are sinners. And life is hard because sometimes we're sinned against. Why? Because all are sinners. And sometimes we can be sinned against and it's not our fault. So we must have these anchoring realities about life that help us when bad news comes knocking. Now, there's a greater reality, right? If there's not a greater reality, let's close the doors, let's go home right now. There's a greater reality. Life is hard but God is greater. Life is hard, but God is greater than our choices. God is greater than the choices of other people. God is greater than all. And so those are the anchoring realities. Yes, life is hard, but you have to have the anchoring reality that God is greater. Life is hard, but God is greater. And the 10 of the 12 spies, all they saw was that life is hard. They lost the view that God is greater. It's kind of like the bully. Kind of like the kid that's being bullied in the neighborhood. Kids being bullied in the neighborhood. The bully comes and the bully's hard. The bully hits hard. And the boy just keeps getting bullied day after day after day after day. And, and he's not telling his dad because he's kind of scared about telling his dad. And, 
And finally, he comes and he tells his dad, Dad, this kid just keeps bullying me every day. Life is hard because of this bully. I don't want to go ride my bike in the neighborhood. Tells dad, and what happens next? Any self-respected dad's going to get out there, and what's he going to do? He's going to go find that bully. And you know what the reality is? Life is hard, but dad is greater. The bully is mean, but who's greater? The dad's greater. The dad's going to take care of that bully. It's the same picture of our God. Life is hard. Life brings challenges, but God is greater. And these spies, the ten that made the wrong choice, they lost the reality. Yes, the giants were there. Yes, you're going to go through challenges. That song we sung, it said, if struggles come, if challenges come. No, it's not an if. Suffering comes. It's when suffering comes. When is your time? When is my time for suffering? I'm gonna, it's going to come for me, and it comes for all of us. And we have to have the re-anchoring realities that that is what this life is. But there is a greater reality above all of that, that God is greater than our suffering. He is stronger than our suffering. He is bigger than the bully. Because he's God, he created the bully. He's greater. Life is hard, but God is greater. We will, will we fall into unbelief and despair? Or will we align our thoughts to what is true about life and to what is true about our God? And these spies made the wrong choice. They made the wrong choice. Now we're going to continue here as we go on. And their wrong choice had some consequences. Listen to this. This is the second thing that we're going to see. So secondly, bad news travels fast and is very contagious. So, so bad news comes with the choice. These 10 of the 12 spies made the wrong choice. And that bad news is, it, it travels fast. You guys know that, right? And it's very contagious. No pun intended with what we're dealing with right now. But bad news is very contagious. Look what happens. The 10 spies, they catch up to the rest of the people of Israel. They catch up to the congregation. Listen to this. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry after they told the bad news. They raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. Some translations say they wept all night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, let us choose another leader and go back to Egypt. So what happens? Bad news travels fast and it's very contagious. So these 10 spies came and they said, hey, the land's terrible. It is terrible. There's giants in the land. And that bad news traveled and it impacted the whole congregation of the nation of Israel. And they weeped and they wailed all night long to the point where they said, you know what? I would rather die than to go into that land. I actually... I'd rather go back to Egypt. Uh, Let's spare our lives, but we're willing to go back to captivity even. And we need new leaders. These guys are crazy. They're leading us to go die. Our wives are going to die. Our kids are going to die. The bad news was so contagious. It traveled so fast and it impacted so many people. We are so easily moved by what we see. We're so, we are, we are the same way. We are the same way. We look at the stories of people in the Bible and we think, well, you know, we're really not like that. I am just like that. My wife has to tell me to shut up, close your, she didn't tell me to shut up. She says, Ben, stop talking. Stop talking. 
Your, your, your talk is not helping you. It's not helping me and it's, it's not going to help anybody else. Stop your negativity because it's so important. We are so easily moved by what we see. And here's what's dangerous is if, you are, if we are moved by what we see and that movement internally hits our lips. Listen to this. We are so easily moved by what we see and what we see causes our mouths to move. And what we say influences others to be moved by what we see. Did you hear that? If what we see causes our mouths to move with doubt and unbelief, then what we see and have been moved by to fear causes other people to be moved with fear and unbelief. We have to guard. We must be careful to not lead others into unbelief. We have to be careful. Are there any negative Nancys or Nellies here or Neds? Any negative Neds? Pick on all the ladies. We call them negative Nellies. What about negative Neds? You got any, are, is anybody a half-glass empty person? If that's your tendency, you have to be on guard against this more than others. Because if you're not careful, you can lead others into unbelief. If your initial reaction is to say, oh, forget it. We're done. We're toast. Never going to change. Keep your mouth shut. Life is hard, but God is greater. Life is hard, but God is greater. The bully's hard, but God is bigger. And we must watch our words. You know what happens when we keep our mouths moving in negative circumstances? Is that we, ha- we are saying the wrong thing. We're saying the wrong thing. We forgot our song. We have forgotten our songs. And that's what Israel did. They had forgotten their songs. Do you remember their song in Exodus 15? What happened after they were delivered, after the Red Sea was parted, after they got out of Egypt, after their enemies were destroyed, what happened? They built stones of remembrance and then they started singing. Moses wrote a song, Exodus 15. Do you remember the song? Listen to the song. Exodus 15, then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider, he is thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host, he is cast into the sea. And his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Listen to this. Your right hand, O Lord glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. They're mighty songs of God's ability to destroy enemies. And you get a little while later, what are we going to do? There's giants in the land. Did they just forget their songs that they just had sung? Had they forgotten their song? And that's what happens. We forget our songs. We forget God's faithfulness. We forget God's faithfulness. And we allow that bad news to take root in our heart. And it travels fast and it impacts others. We must sing our songs of salvation, of deliverance. Psalm 59 is a, is, is a good one. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. Oh, my strength. I will sing praises to you for, for you, O oh God, or my fortress, the God who shows me steadfast love. You know, there's, a, there's an account 
in the book of Acts that really mirrors Numbers 13 and 14. Peter and John go to the gate beautiful. They're going to go worship. They pass the lame man at the gate beautiful. And you know the story, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. Take up your mat and walk. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, take up your mat and walk. He was healed. It was a miracle. Word, good news travels fast too. Good news traveled. And it got to the Sanhedrin, got to the religious leaders of the Jews. And they said, wait a minute, this is, we got to stop this. They got to stop preaching in Jesus' name. And they threatened them. And they said, you stop preaching in Jesus' name or it's going to be bad for you. Peter and John, they go back to the congregation. They tell them what's going on. And there's a different response than the the children of Israel. Listen to this in Acts 4. And when they were released, they went to their friends, to the congregation, and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, when the congregation heard it, listen to this, listen to their response. They didn't lift their voices all night to God in despair. They lifted their voices to God and said, Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord. Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And when they had prayed, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. You see the difference? The children of Israel in Numbers 13 and 14, they got the bad news. The ten spies made the wrong choice. Bad news traveled fast and was very contagious. And the spirit, listen, a spirit of doubt, and unbelief fell upon the nation of Israel. And they didn't pray. They didn't acknowledge God's sovereignty. They didn't acknowledge his ability. They just gave in and said, we'd rather die. We're not going to go in there. We'd rather die. Yes, God, de- God delivered us in mighty ways, but we are in such despair, we'd rather die. But listen to God's people in Acts 4. They lifted up their hearts to God and said, yeah, the threats are there. The threats are there. They want to shut us up. But God, you're sovereign. You're in control. They remembered their songs. Their songs of God's faithfulness. They said the right things. Bad news comes with the choice. Will we only see how big our problem is or will we see how big our God is? Bad news will travel fast, but we must replace it with songs of prayer and thanksgiving and songs of remembrance. Which leads us to the third thing I want to tell us here this morning, a lesson we learned This is who we need to be right here. We need to have the right spirit. The third thing is this. The right spirit changes our confession. Just kind of building as we're going along here. Bad news comes with a choice. And bad news, if we keep it on our lips, it will impact others. It travels fast and it causes people to walk in unbelief. So the right spirit, though, it changes our confession. It changes what we say. Listen to Caleb. Who had the right spirit? Caleb and Joshua. Actually, Numbers 14.24 said about Caleb, God said, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, he says he's going to enter into the land and so is his descendants. He had a different spirit. What does it mean that he had a different spirit? It means he had a different attitude. That's what your spirit, to say you have a different spirit, either a spirit of faith or a spirit of fear. He had a spirit of faith. He had the right attitude. Because he didn't doubt God, Because he remembered God's faithfulness, he declared some things. Listen to his confession. His confession changed. The right spirit, the right attitude changes our confession. Listen to this. Caleb said in Numbers 13, But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once to occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Amen? Thank God for the Calebs. Thank God for people who say, Yeah, yeah, there's giants there. There are. 
For sure. It's bad. It looks really bad right now. But boy, do we need Caleb's who will stand up and say, yeah, it's bad, but God is big. It's bad, but God's greater. Listen to his confession again. Numbers 14. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. We're going to consume them. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. With some unbelief right there, right? Shut that guy up. He's naive. He's foolish. No, he wasn't naive. He wasn't ignorant. He wasn't foolish. What was he? He was a man of faith. Why? He had reason to believe. Because of what God had done. The right spirit will change what you say. It'll change your confession. You know the flip side of this? You know what's sad? Is that unbelief ultimately will cost people. You know, I'm going to say this carefully. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I want you to hear very carefully. There is only one unforgivable sin. I want you to hear it. Only one unforgivable sin. It is the sin of unbelief. If you die in unbelief, it is the only sin that will not be forgiven. If you die in a position of unbelief in Christ as your Savior, you have no hope for eternity. It's the sin of unbelief. It can cost you everything. If you don't think that's true, look at, look at what happened in Numbers 14. God comes, wants to talk to Moses, goes to the tent of meeting and says, it's time to talk, Moses. He goes and he talks to Moses and says, I'm done with these people. He even says, they have rebelled against me these ten times. God counted their transgressions. He says, these ten times they've rebelled against me. And so as a result, they're not going into the land of rest. They're not going in. They lost. Out. Listen, listen to what it says. This is what God said. Numbers 14. Not one shall come into the land that I swore I would make them dwell. Except Caleb, the son of Jophanah, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, who you said would become a prey. Isn't that interesting? I will bring them in. And they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead body shall fall in the wilderness. And your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years. And shall suffer for your faithlessness. Unbelief matters. Belief and unbelief matters greatly. Until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. It's interesting, I didn't read the section there, but God said that for every day the spies were in the land, spying out 40 days, for every day a year. That's where the 40 years came from, in the wilderness. It was a judgment of God. They stayed in the wilderness a a year for every day they spied out and did not trust God. And that whole generation died out, even Moses, because of his rebellion, he didn't get to go in. But a whole other generation, the Joshua generation, got to go in. Unbelief matters. God has not called us to unbelief. He's called us to faith and not to fear. When we trust God in the middle of our trials, it brings glory to his name. We must trust God and our confession must change. Similar to David and Saul. Do you remember David? He's going out to fight the giant. Children of Israel, they're they're in fear. This giant comes out. He's defying the armies of God. He's cursing God. David shows up to bring cheese and bread to his brothers who are on the front line. And... He's listening. He's like, wait a minute. That guy is a Philistine. And you hear what he's saying? You hear him talking? He's cursing our God. Is somebody going to do something? Somebody going to step up? So he goes to Saul and says, hey, I got it. I'm ready to go. I, I, I can take this guy. 
And Saul tries to convince him and says, oh, buddy, you're a youth. This guy is a man of war from his youth. You have no way. Look at him. He's so tall. And what, is, what does David do? He starts saying, well, let me tell you something. Let me start singing my song to you, my song of faithfulness. He said, there was a lion and there was a bear and I got him by the beard and God delivered me. He said, so look, I don't know what this, this guy, yeah, he's big. He's, I don't know all about him, but I know about my God. And I will be able to take down this uncircumcised Philistine. Same picture. The right spirit. David had the right spirit. Saul had the wrong spirit. God judged Saul for his wrong spirit. Our confession matters. Now, before we go to conclude here, I, I, I have to tell you this. When we're talking about confession, having strong faith does not mean we ignore the realities of our circumstances. Caleb and Joshua didn't ignore the, the realities of the dangers. They didn't. That's not what strong faith is, is that we just, I'm going to block it out. No, I don't have a diagnosis. No, I haven't lost my job. No, I'm not sick. No, I don't have cancer. No, having strong faith doesn't mean you ignore the realities of your situation. Having strong faith means that we trust God in the middle of the diagnosis, in the middle of the circumstances. Our good confession, listen, is not a means by which we seek to manipulate God or our circumstances. Our good confession is not magic. It's not mind control. Our good confession, listen, this is so important. Our good confession is the means by which we throw all of ourselves onto God and his ability and his faithfulness. And we are saying, God, I confess that you are able. I confess that you're bigger than the bully. I confess that you're bigger than the cancer. And I'm going to stand in faith. You guys follow me? Our confession must change. In our Christian walk, we will have times of doubts. We will have times of fear when our circumstances seem too big. And there are giants in the land. And we will. Listen, I want you to hear this. You're not always going to walk in faith. There's going to be times where you have doubts. There's going to be times where it feels too big. There's going to be times where you feel like, I I just, I don't believe anymore. I have a hard time believing that God can come through. I want you to hear me today. There's hope for all of us who deal with it. I deal with it. We all deal with it. There's times where we struggle with doubt, where our confession is not right. Bad news has caused us to make the wrong choice. And our confession is bad. And that bad news is contagious. And we're influencing our wife and our kids and our friends and our coworkers and our church family. We're getting it all wrong. But the hope in all of this, all those things I've said are true. We need to say the right things. We need to confess the right things. But sometimes we don't and sometimes we struggle. But here's the good news. You guys want to know the foundation of unshakable faith? We must remember, number four, that unshakable faith is founded upon Jesus, our great high priest. That's it. That's my conclusion today. Unshakable faith is founded upon Jesus, our great high priest. If you go to Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 in the New Testament is the New Testament view of what we're looking at with the nation of Israel and their rebellion against God. And because of their unbelief, not entering in to rest. Hebrews 3 says this, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to test and saw my works 40 years. This is the context of of Hebrews 3 and 4 of the children of Israel not believing and not entering into the rest that God had provided for them. This is the picture. And you know how Hebrews 3 and 4 culminates. I think it's so beautiful. This picture of unbelief and not entering rest, it culminates with Christ. Listen 
to Hebrews 4, 14 and 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. You guys got it? Did you guys get it? Yeah, you have your doubts. Yes, you have your unbelief. Yes, you struggle because of the diagnosis. Yes, it doesn't make sense. Yes, it looks bad. All of that is true. But here's the heart of the gospel. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Because of Christ, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Because of Christ, here's the key in verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Having unshakable faith is not because we work hard at not doubting. Having unshakable faith is because we have a great high priest who is fighting for us. That's the foundation of unshakable faith. So if you're here today and you've been struggling with doubt and unbelief and you've been beating yourself up and saying, yes, my confession has been bad. Throw all of yourself over into your great high priest who is praying for you, who is interceding for you, who is the foundation of your faith. This is our confession that Jesus is greater than every trial we can face. He's greater. Jesus is greater. Jesus understands our weakness. That is our confession. Our confession is that he is sympathetic towards us. Our confession is that he intercedes for us in our moments of doubt and fear when we are like the 10 of the 12 spies. Our unshakable faith is founded on Christ. And as I close, I want to close with this. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is Peter because Peter is a lot like me. Peter's a lot like you. Peter made a lot of mistakes. Peter doubted. But Peter also said a lot of good things, didn't he? The land flows with milk and honey. He had good news as well. When they asked him, who is Jesus? Who do men say that I am? What did Peter say? He had the good news. He had the right answer. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He got it right. But then when Jesus said, well, I've got to go to the cross and die, Peter said, far be it from you. You can't, you can't do that. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're a temptation to me. So Peter didn't get it right all the time. And, and Jesus goes to Peter in the gospel of Luke chapter 22. And he tells Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you. He's asked to sift you like wheat. Now I want to explain what this means real quick. When the imagery he's using is a, an, an old Middle Eastern image of a wheat farmer taking the wheat crop and when you would harvest the wheat crop you would get good grain and you'd get bad grain you'd get what, what, what was not good and you'd have two men with a huge sieve or we would call it a sieve or a colander but it's more like a basket with holes in it and it took two people to hold it it wasn't just like something you put your spaghetti noodles in you know it's this big thing two, two men or two ladies they would hold it you harvest the wheat and the chaff would be in it. You'd put it in there and you'd have to violently shake it. You'd have to violently lift it. You, you couldn't just like haphazardly kind of move it around and bounce it. No, you had to, you'd have to throw the wheat up in the air and the chaff blows away and the wheat, the good grain, comes to the surface and lands in the basket. This is what Jesus is saying to Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to violently shake your life. But the good news in all of it our great, his great high priest, he says this, but 
but, but Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And when you have returned, strengthen the brothers. That's the good news. So if you feel like you don't have unshakable faith, you're a believer here today, you feel like you don't have unshakable faith, the good news is that your high priest is praying for you like he prayed for Peter. And Satan does want to violently shake you in your life. And it feels like that during these times. But we have a high priest that is praying for us. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for the saints. That's who our our high priest is. And scripture tells us this. It tells us that when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Amen? That's the good news. That's the foundation of our unshakable faith. Can you pray with me today? God, I thank you, Lord, for those realities and that truth. Though this life is hard, there are challenges that come, and Lord, we need to guard our words and we need to have the right spirit, the right confession. Lord, forgive us for leading others into unbelief by our bad confession. But Lord, ultimately, we know that the foundation of our unshakable faith is not our ability to not doubt. The foundation of our unshakable faith is you. It's Christ who is praying for us, who's interceding for us, who is on our side and is for us. Lord, I pray that for your people today, that they would lean all that they are in these uncertain times on Christ, who is the foundation of their faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I love you. Have a great day. See you next week.